Good morning again to everybody. Great to be back together today, as we've already noted, and uh, we do, again, welcome all of our visitors. We encourage our regular members to meet as many visitors as you can. Welcome them and encourage them to come back and be with us every opportunity. And if you are traveling, please be safe as you move on. Uh, when you're back in this area, come back and see us again. We do want to remember also North Witcher in our prayers. North is struggling right now uh, with particular health problem. Please keep him in your prayers. He's not feeling able to be with us this morning. And also welcome the Diamatories back with us. They are, uh, Matthias and Eunice are back from their mission trip and also visiting family in Zimbabwe. So that's more than just down the road a little piece and so uh, great to have them back with us as well. As we begin this morning, we are coming toward the conclusion of this particular series that I have begun every lesson with the question, what does it mean? So we talked about first, right off the bat, what does it mean to be lost? I'm afraid that a whole lot of people, perhaps the vast majority of people in our country at least, don't really give that much thought. What does it mean to be lost? The devil's been very skillful at just clouding that issue in our minds, maybe putting it back, not just in the back burner, but out of our mind altogether. And think also clouding that, that particular question with, well, I'm okay, you know, it, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I'm saved, I'm saved. Well, we also ask the question, what does it mean to seek forgiveness? If there's no need for forgiveness, then why do I need to seek for forgiveness? But yet, God, and we just celebrated the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior on that cross and from that tomb because he went there, sent from heaven to go to that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins through his physical death. Now that indicates that sin problem in the world is monumental. It required God to send a perfect savior in the person of his son from heaven to earth to pay that price. Well, we also ask the question, what does it mean to be born again? We ask the question, what does it mean to love God? And this today, I want us to ask the question, what does it mean to be faithful? I might add one more lesson to this particular series, kind of turning that around in my head. But I want us to ask this question, what does it mean to be faithful? In Revelation 2 and verse 10, our Lord himself said, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful until death. Now, literally, that particular word means full of faith. So Jesus is saying, be full of faith. But it's not just the idea of just having some kind of knowledge in our head, but it is understanding, belief, that is committed through dedication and obedience and service on an ongoing basis. Many people fail to understand the difference between faith and faithfulness. Now from a purist perspective, and if you're analyzing it just from a pure perspective, you can say, well, real faith will be faithful. A person who has real faith is going to be faithful. And I agree with that. But there are a whole lot of people who do not understand that. And so their understanding of faithfulness is just they have faith in God. 
They believe in God. They believe in Christ. It's in their head. It's in their mind. Maybe they have some kind of feeling within their emotions. I believe in God. I believe in Christ. That's faith. That's saving faith. That's faithfulness. No, that's faith. All by itself, faith without faithfulness is dead faith. And we'll see that in, in a few moments. When a man and a woman, and I want to use a, a common uh, illustration that we can all relate to. Over the years that I have been preaching the gospel full time, I performed a great many wedding ceremonies. I have no idea how many. But it's always wonderful to see a man and a woman stand before God. It's not before me. I'm just there kind of saying the words and performing the ceremony from a legal perspective, but also with spiritual emphasis. But it's wonderful to see a man and a woman stand there and they, they make their vows to one another. They make their commitments to one another. And what they're doing really is making a commitment to be faithful, each one of them, and each one of them expects the other to be faithful to that marriage relationship for life. And you can underline those two words, for life. They will be faithful to each other. Now conversely, when somebody says, oh, did you hear about, did you hear about John and Mary or, or, or Betty and, and Bill? Uh, no, what? Well, he's been unfaithful to her or she's been unfaithful to him. We know immediately what they're talking about. They have not been faithful. They have gone astray from that commitment to that marriage relationship and that, that, act, and that act, that action puts that relationship in danger and may bring it to an end. Faith, just faith. Now that's my foundational belief. That's the starting point. That's just kind of coming out of the block, so to speak. If you're thinking from, a, from a, an illustration or an analogy of a race, just coming out of the blocks, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Hebrews writer says that that faith has to be there for us to begin to be able to look forward to eternal life. He says without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said the same thing about faith in him as our Lord and Savior and God's Son in John 8 and verse 24. Therefore I, say to, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So the Hebrews writer says we must have faith in God. Jesus said, you must have faith in me as God's son and your Lord and Savior. But if we do not go any farther than just believing, then we're no better off spiritually than the demons in hell. Because James writes in, in, in James chapter 2, he says in verse 19, you believe, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But no one would suggest that the demons are saved because they believe in God and believe in Jesus. In fact, as I've said many times by way of emphasis, and James makes that, that point of emphasis, they believe so deeply and thoroughly that God exists and Jesus is the Savior that they tremble at the thought. Now why would they tremble? 
because they are who they are. They're demons in hell. And so we need to understand that just believing is not enough. But when we look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13, Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now that's parallel to what we noted right off the bat in Revelation 2 and verse 10, when Jesus said, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus also said in Luke 21 and verse 19, by your patience possess your souls. Now the, the understanding there is your patient faithfulness, your patient perseverance in your faith, your patient dedication and commitment and obedient, obedience to live the Christian life before the Father in heaven and before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Faithfulness is my faith put into action through obedience and dedication and commitment on an ongoing basis. Obedience, dedication, commitment to God and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now let me pull from the Old Testament a graphic illustration of a lack of consistent faithfulness. In Hosea chapter 6 and verse 4, God speaking, he says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? Now these should have been the people of God. And he's saying, what should I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud and like the early dew that fades away or goes away. I remember one time I was sitting while I was on vacation with family and I was sitting in the balcony of where we were staying in the Smoky Mountains and I was watching out and there were mountains right in front of me. And I was watching the fog concealing those mountains to a great extent, but the fog was rolling by, or it might have been clouds rolling by, and gradually I could see the mountains now being revealed because the clouds or the fog was rolling by. Well, that's, that's the understanding, the idea that, that God is getting across here, and he's writing this to his people. He said, what shall I do to you? Your faithfulness is brief. It's like a morning cloud. It's here, then it's gone. It's like the dew. Well, it's on the grass, on the surface of the level or of, the, of, the, uh, of the ground in the morning when you first get up and then it's gone. It evaporates away. What shall I do to you? Your faithfulness is not consistent. It is not long lasting. There's no follow through there. Well, faithfulness is the active lifestyle of faith that's put into action in the life of the individual. I must have faith, that's where I begin. But then that faith should lead me to obey, to become a Christian, to be baptized into Christ, to begin that new life in him, but also to live that life for him as a Christian. Faith without faithfulness is dead faith, dead faith. Faith without faithfulness is impotent. It is, well, basically lifeless. And that's from scripture, not from me. In James chapter two and verse 17, James wrote, thus also faith by itself, just believing, nothing more, 
if it does not have works, and there would be the faithfulness, is dead. He goes on in verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Not by faith only. Those are the only, that's the only two, uh, the only verse in the entire New Testament that has the phrase faith only, and it is preceded, those two words are preceded by two other words, not by faith only. And I can't help it that so many different denominations teach salvation by faith only. Those two words, the only time they're found in the New Testament, are preceded by two more words, not by faith only. We need to understand that just believing all by itself is, is not going to get the job done. So we need to believe with all of our heart. And that means we're going to put our belief, our faith into action. And that's faithfulness. I'm going to be true to God all the time, consistently for the rest of my life. And there is be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful, full of care, pay proper attention to maintain good works. These are good and profitable to men. The works is part of the faithfulness. But we could think of the works and we, we kind of shy away from that and say, well, you can't earn your salvation by doing good works. I know that. That's what the Apostle Paul writes about in, in the book of Romans. But James says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is it's faithfulness. If you want to think of it that way, instead of using that word works, faithfulness, action, active faith is what we're talking about. When Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, he had some degree of faith in Jesus. He expressed that. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a man, uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 expressed a degree of faith in Jesus. But note that it says he came to him to talk to him and express that degree of belief by night. He's later referred in the New Testament as the one who came to Jesus by night. Now why is that emphasized? Under the cover of darkness I think we're to understand. He was concerned about being seen by some of the wrong people, perhaps. And so he had a degree of faith in Jesus, but he had yet to become faithful to the point of openly following him. And that was the case of many in that particular time when Jesus was on this earth proclaiming the gospel that God had sent him to bring to mankind, through which we can be forgiven and redeemed and saved and look forward to eternal life. Many had faith, but not openly, not openly faithful for fear of losing their position in the synagogues. In not John chapter nine and verse 22, and this was the parents of the young man whom Jesus healed, who had been blind from birth. And so when the Jewish authorities came and began asking his parents, you know, 
who, 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 is this your son whom you say was born blind? And who healed him? And they said, this is our son. That he was blind, we know that. Who healed him, we don't know. Verse 22 says his parents said these things, and they, they even told the, the, the Jewish authorities, ask him, he's full grown. They said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. And so people had a degree of faith, but not strong enough to be openly faithful. John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, among, even among many of the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. We find that temptation in our lives, don't we? We want to fit in with the crowd to a great extent. We want to fit in with our co-workers. We want to fit in with our friends. And so we don't want to look too, too spiritual before them. We don't want to look too dedicated as a Christian before them because we want to be able to make them feel comfortable around us. We don't want them to start pulling away because they're not comfortable telling their obscene jokes in front of us or using foul and, and vulgar language around us. We don't want them to start shunning us so we just kind of tamp down our faithfulness and just keep it as faith instead of active faithfulness. Jesus condemned many who had faith in him, but they lacked true faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now that's faith. They're exhibiting faith. They believe in Jesus. They're calling him Lord. But he says, not everyone who says that shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's faithfulness. Active faith. Active obedient commitment, dedication, service. He goes on and says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many works in your name? And then I will say to them, or declare to them, Depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Not only are you not right with me now, you have never been with me. Well, why? They call him Lord, they have faith, but they were not faithful. They were not doing the will of the Father. They were following him their own way, some way, in their mind at least. They believed in him, but they were not faithful according to the scriptures. We cannot stand justified before God just by having a belief by faith alone. We come back to James 2 and verse 24 again. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Well, faithfulness, and, and we need to take this seriously. Faithfulness is the power of faith that has proper effect on a person's life and the lives of people around him. Our faithfulness is powerful just by our example. You think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We are supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to season, make things better around us. 
We're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to let our light so shine that others may see our good works, our faithfulness, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. People ought to be influenced toward Christ just by being around us and observing our faithfulness. Now, that does not mean we're goody-two-shoes. It does not mean we're perfect in and of ourselves. We're just saved. We're in Christ. We're faithful to him. And that's what God expects of us. Faithfulness is part of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul wrote about in Galatians 5 and verse 25. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's in there. That's a vital part of the fruit of the Spirit. And faithfulness is not optional. It is required by God of us. In 1 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithful. What did Jesus say again? Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who endures to the end shall be saved. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30, only those servants who were declared faithful by their master heard the words, well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. We look at verses 21 and 23 and they say the same thing. He, and the Lord, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. You, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, that is simply a, an account that helps us understand the final day of judgment. Only those who will be counted faithful will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Lydia's obedience in being baptized was an example of her faithfulness. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard, heard us. Paul was there on the scene preaching. I think we, when we, use, we see that pronoun us there, we, it means Luke was there with him and along with other co-workers. So a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. She was Jewish. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. He was teaching the gospel of Christ. And when she and her household were baptized, she not only believed in Christ, but she became faithful. She was baptized into him. And then she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. What a great example for us. Paul addressed these particular letters to the faithful in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints, now look, he's not writing this to dead folks. 
whole lot of people think saints are dead folks. You don't find that in the, it, 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 as, in the scriptures as a primary identification. He's writing this to the Christians in Ephesus, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. And then in Colossians 1 and verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Faithfulness is key to our really putting our faith into action and making it effective. If it's just sitting there as a belief that does not do anything, does not go anywhere, then it's dead faith as we've already seen. Faithfulness means living obediently to the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 1 verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine or correct teaching both to exhort and convict those who contradict. The faithful word of God, where does faith come from? That beginning, that development of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So holding fast the faithful word. And then in 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in, live in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, and that would include all the teachings by Christ as well, does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of faithfulness. I'm not sure if you've ever thought that much. I've tried to emphasize 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, right in the middle of the verse, where it says God is faithful to not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, but with the temptation, he also makes the way of escape. I was amazed, though, in doing some more research in this particular lesson, how many times through the scriptures, a multitude of times, I'm talking about dozens of times, God is referred to as being faithful, as being faithful. And so Jesus gave us the ultimate example of faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, we read, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Christ Jesus was faithful to God? How, how can we understand that he was faithful to God? He says he was faithful, faithful to him who appointed him. Well, on the night of his betrayal, he lets us know about how he was faithful to God. In John chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, he was praying to the Father. The next day he'd be on the cross. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That's how Jesus gave us the example, the ultimate example of faithfulness. He says, I have finished the work, Father, that you have given me to do. To truly walk with our Lord, we must be faithful to him, not just believe in him, 
Remember Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. A whole lot of folks believe in him, but they're not faithful to him. In Revelation 7 and verse 14, John is portraying a scene in heaven. And he sees a bunch of folks there or a bunch of beings there. He says, I said to him, sir, you know. He said to me, these are the ones... John does not immediately recognize who these are gathered there in heaven before him. And so this angel tells him, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. He was standing before the faithful in heaven. Those who had been faithful to God and to Christ had become Christians, had lived the faithful life of Christianity before God and Christ while they were still here in this earth. And there they were, John, John, John seeing them in heaven. Now, could this particular passage of scripture describe you or someone you know? Luke 6 and verse 46, where Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Calling me Lord, Lord, well, that would be faith. Believing in him, but doing following, being obedient to his teachings, that's faithfulness. Will you put your faith into action by being baptized into Christ if you have not yet done so? Jesus calls you to come to him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, spiritual rest. How do I come to him? Well, again, faith begins with the word of God. I come to understand he is my Lord and Savior, God's son. And it also teaches me that I need to come to him in complete surrender. Having repented of my sins, confessed my faith openly in him. And he told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he who does not believe shall be condemned. I need to surrender to him in baptism, as Lydia did, being buried with him, literally immersed in the waters of baptism, so the blood that he shed on the cross for me can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life, Jesus said. Are you living that faithful life? Do you need to repent of maybe lackadaisicalness? in your dedication to him, asking God forgiveness through prayer. We'd love to help you to be baptized into Christ, to pray together, to study together if that's what you need and would like. If you need to come, make that dedication of faithfulness as we stand together and sing.